Welcome to the Simply Live Fit Podcast. I'm Melanie Winches, and today I'll be interviewing Sky Forcier and talking about her varsity experience of being an athlete on a rugby team at Acadia. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please leave a review. Thanks for hopping on the call with me today. Do you want to explain what team you played for, if you had a certain position, who you are? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name's Sky, Sky Forcier. And uh, over the past four years, I played for the Acadia women's rugby team, which is a university in Nova Scotia. And prior to that, I played high school rugby, regional rugby, and some provincial rugby in British Columbia. Um, And then as for positions, I've played a wide variety of positions throughout the forward pack, but I generally play flank. Cool. What made you choose Acadia? Oh, man. Um, Well, I wasn't quite confident that I wanted to play university rugby, but then my coach at the time in high school really pushed me towards it. And uh, I was considering a few different universities, uh, UBC and UVic and then Queens. He mentioned Acadia and it was just a really small school, especially compared to the other ones I'm looking at. And the town that it's in, Wolfville, um, just had a very small population and it I just it aligned more with what I wanted for my university experience rather than going to a big city. And then also I just I'd never been further than Saskatchewan, so I was kind of eager to check out the other side of the country. So I just went. So it sort of gives it like a Williams like feel that it's like a smaller town. Um yes and no. Like the small town thing for sure. Uh the east and coast east coast and west coast are pretty different. It's uh yeah, it's just a lot different culturally, I would say. Gotcha. So when you got to Acadia, did you feel like you fit into the team right away? There's always a bit of jitters at the start, as when you go to a new team or even a new job or anything like that. It's not instantly, you don't instantly click. But uh, there's a lot of really great veterans on the team who were really nice and made the experience as easy as I think it could have been. But like with anything, uh I was young, I was nervous, first time really leaving home. So, I mean, it wasn't immediate, but I did feel comfortable with the team pretty quickly. How often did you guys train? So training varies in season and off season. In season, we practice five to six days a week. And then those are usually around two hour sessions with three days of strength and conditioning as well. And then in the off season, we're with the trainers four days a week, usually like early in the morning. 6 30 a.m or 9 a.m on Saturdays and then um, we'll have practices scattered throughout the off season as well. So on top of like being on a sports team you also had to balance school so did you have like a couple hours in the evening where you'd study? How did you prioritize that compared to your sports performance? Yeah I think time management is probably the most important thing that you have to learn as a student athlete, especially for me, I was taking four full course loads. A lot of time athletes will just reduce down to three classes uh, just to manage that better. But pretty much every bit of spare time that I had, I had to be really efficient. I actually usually got better grades in season because I was so focused and was never really distracted because anytime I had a break in between classes during the day or even in the evenings, I was just able to put my head down and work because I needed to in that time. So yeah, it was just any spare time that you had, you had to just be really efficient with it because you didn't have a lot of free time. 
Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Just making sure you're on top of things and scheduling your hour by hour, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So what was your most memorable game? Two years ago, we hosted uh, the rugby national championships at our school. And we just had an absolutely massive audience. Like everyone was there to support. The stands were completely filled. And we played a game against U Ottawa, uh, the GGs. And they were ranked a lot higher than us. And right off the bat, the game was tied. And we just kept going back and forth, back and forth. And it was just an unreal game. Like we played so well. And we had the full support of the community and the students. And like, I, I, yeah, I think we all get emotional just thinking about it. And uh, we, very, we came very close to winning. We lost by two points, which was really, really heartbreaking. But I'll never forget that just because the way we played and the support we had and the energy that we played with was something I've never experienced before. When you play away, does the crowd ever get in your head? Generally, it's not too bad. Pretty narrowed in. Sometimes our rival school at St. Effects, that would be the only time. Um, but yeah, I've never really noticed it as a huge issue. Usually the crowd's pretty respectful. That's good to hear. At least there. So, so there's no like booing or anything? Not really. Like that kind of goes against the culture of rugby. Not that it, it does happen sometimes. Um, but yeah, generally crowds are pretty good from my observations, at least, especially compared to a lot of other sports. Right. So maybe just like bad ref calls is when it would happen, not necessarily against the team. Yeah, refs get most of the heat, I would say. <laughs> That's fair. So when you were playing in college, did you ever cro- come across like dirty players? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that happens a lot. Um, I mean, there's only one ref and there's 30 players on the field and rugby's a pretty messy game. Often there's bodies everywhere, so it's really hard to tell. Um, sometimes you'll get some like verbally aggressive things and obviously sometimes a little bit of physical aggression for sure. Um, I think the only time it really becomes an issue is if it continues off the pitch, which in our case, it very rarely ever did. What do you mean coming off the pitch? So if you were to have a dirty interaction with someone on the field and then after the game, you're still continuing to banter with them, that's when it's kind of an issue. But if you have that issue on during the game and at the end of the game, you're able to just like shake hands and move past it, then to me, it doesn't really bother me. Right. So you're leaving your shit on the field. Exactly. Gotcha. When you first got to Acadia, how important was like your team bonding? Like, do you guys hang out outside of practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's almost a bad thing that you do as an athlete. You kind of hang out exclusively with your team because in first year, there's lots of events like frosh events and we didn't really participate them at all and when you're in meal hall you generally like sit with your teammates if you have class with your team you again you like sit with them you do your projects together and so we hang out a lot like socially meals and then even when you go and live off campus usually teammates live together so you spend a lot of time with your team in all aspects so do you ever get like annoyed of being with them too much uh yeah yeah it can be a lot You have to really make sure that you're prioritizing time away from them and trying to make sure you establish other friendships with people outside of your team. Um, And then, I mean, living with someone and then going to practice with them and going to games and stuff. I mean, it's a lot. But worth it. 
super worth it. I mean, the friendships that you make are for life and it's, it's family. Like it's not even friendship. It's yeah. You couldn't be closer. Just a big group of sisters really. Yeah. That's really cool. So were you guys close with the men's team or any other like sports in Acadia, like hockey or soccer? The men's team at Acadia isn't varsity, but we did hang out with them a lot. Uh, and that just goes with rugby culture. Rugby players often hang out together but then within athletics, Acadia is actually really cool. The teams are pretty close and work really hard to support each other. And so, yeah, you definitely develop lots of friendships with all the teams. And that's just part of the, like I mentioned, like the supportive culture. And then for me, there's an organization called the Acadia Players Association. And there was a few representatives from every team. And I was a co-president of that for two years. So I did get a chance to meet a lot of other athletes that way too, which was pretty cool. So I wanted to ask you what you think of individual performance versus team performance, because I know that like when we were in basketball, obviously there's always like the MVP holding up your team. And I mean, not all the time they didn't hold up your team. You still have to work together, but there's always that one person who sort of outperforms a lot of people. (laughs) Did you find that with university sports there was still that one person or was everybody just really good no there was definitely stars there's people who's better better than others I think that happens you know at every level of sport like right up to the pros but in terms of the importance of individual performance I think that's really different sport to sport right like in basketball you really really notice when you have the Steph Curry's of the world you know they make they make all the difference but rugby like one star player will only get you so far because you can physically, they can be stopped, you know, because there's 15 people opposing them. Um, so yeah, I think individual performance, it is important for sure, but it's super different sport to sport. Um, rugby's a really team oriented sport and it relies on a variety of skills and one person can't possess all the skills you need to be a good rugby player um, just because they're so different. Like, I mean, you need someone who can kick and someone who can run and someone who can prop and someone who can pass and someone who can make decisions and someone who catches the ball every single time. So you need that different players. And like, for example, like if your kicker is having a bad day, that can be really problematic, but everyone has off days. And like, that's one of the best things about rugby is each person needs to give a hundred percent. But if one player is having an off day or there are 14 other players who can lift them up. And so do you think in the weight training room or like your conditioning coaches, do they train you player by player a little bit differently? Um, Not necessarily. Well, yeah, I guess so. Player by player, but more so our positions. So in rugby, you have your forwards and your backs and they do have a bit of a different role in the game. So forwards are generally going to be a bit, stronger and uh backs are usually going to be a bit more fast and dynamic so in the weight room you do want to account for that do you do different exercises a few different exercises generally they're the same mostly it's that the expectations are different so for example a forward should be able to squat more but they maybe aren't expected to get as high on the beat test whereas the back it would be the opposite but you'd still all do them it'd just be the expectations that change Ah, I see. Okay, but you still have to put your 100% into it. Yeah, for sure. Gotcha. Now, how important do you think 
talent is versus putting your whole heart into playing? I think that's tricky because everyone wants to hear that you can just work hard and it'll happen. Um, And not that working hard is important, but there is a genetic factor in there as well. And you see it all the time. Like there's athletes who definitely don't work as hard and are just still better than other athletes who work way harder. Do players get really frustrated when they don't have the talent or like, how do they know when to take a step back and sort of let the star of the game, like they have to be the second man, you know, instead of like wanting to be number one. I think that's just a lot of uh, maturity as a person, recognizing that there's a lot of roles to be played on a team and it's not always about being the star, the number one, like not everyone on the team actually places down the ball for a try, but it's a team try. So I think just accepting that there's other things that you can be good at and other ways that you can contribute besides being the star and being recognized. Um, But I think that goes beyond being an athlete and that's more so just personal development and just acceptance of what the variety of roles that it takes to make a team work. Hmm. Interesting. Now, like if you had a kid that was like, they really love the sport, but was like terrible at it. Would you pull them out and put them in a different sport or would you let them play? No, I wouldn't pull them out. I think being bad at things is, is better for you, like for growing and or not being bad at things, but um for people when everything comes easy those aren't generally the people who you see succeed you know like you think of like the best athletes generally they had something that was kind of holding them back whether it be an injury or they came from a low-income family like that type of adversity is what you grow as a person being a sport like an athlete and playing sports as much as it's hard to think that way like it's not all about winning or the outcome it's also about developing the ability to work with a team and your own personal skills and I think that you can get those whether you're good at the sport or not. Now here's the question are you for the participation ribbon? (laughs) Uh, See to me like the argument is that oh they shouldn't get a participation ribbon because they won when I, I remember getting participation ribbon I didn't feel like I won like a participation ribbon didn't make me think that I'd done well. And I think that's what people think that that when you give a participation ribbon, everyone like that, the kid who got a participation ribbon doesn't think they just won. Like they know it was a participation ribbon. So I think it's pretty harmless more. So it just shows that you did something. Um, But I think it's very clear to yourself that you weren't number one at it. So I think participation ribbons are fine. I don't think they really change too much. Yeah, that makes sense because like it's more of like something that you had accomplished and you finished it. Mm -hmm. Like I like to think of a when you take a university course and you're required to get a certain grade to pass. Well, a participation participation ribbon just shows that you passed the course. It doesn't mean that you did well. That makes sense. Yeah, and then if you do do well, then you'll be rewarded. So you have to work to that. Yeah, like. it's very obvious the difference between a participation ribbon and a first place ribbon. And I think everyone's aware of that. So there's no problem. And the people at the end also getting recognized for their hard work and maybe being inspired to work harder. Mm -hmm. So going back to your university journey, were you injured for like majority of it? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. And that's really hard to like be on the sidelines when you really want to play. Yeah. Uh, I th- people don't really realize, but like, it's not the physical part of the injury that gets to you. It's the mental part, as I'm sure you are acutely aware with your own injury. But it's super hard being on the sideline. It's super hard not knowing when you're going to recover. And it's also really hard. Like with me, they said that my knee would never be 100% again. So knowing that it's not injury. Like there are some injuries that I've had where you can come back and just like have a full recovery. But there's some injuries where you know that you can do all the work and come back. But you're going to have to change and adapt because your body will never be quite the same as it was before. Did anyone ever bother you about being a water girl or anything or were they pretty supportive um no people were really supportive uh I put a lot of a lot of my time into like working really hard and doing the most that I could for the team and I think people appreciated that and understood how much it sucked uh I think more so there was just a lot of sympathy because in the athletic world people understand how heartbreaking an injury can be so you were still expected to like show up for practices and stuff, even though you couldn't do anything or like what, what did they put you to work for? Uh, I, I don't actually know what the actual expectation was for me, but I had my own personal expectation for myself. And that was to show up to every single practice, every single meeting, every single lift. And in terms of lifting, uh, I had a really, I was really lucky. I had a strength and conditioning coach who cared a lot about his athlete and valued work ethic so he kept me working Uh, I just would do a ton of upper body stuff and then slowly as my knee injury got better I would move to the assault bike and then slowly started to run and just work through those phases and then in terms of practicing uh, I would do what I could on the sideline for a long time I wasn't able to do contacts whenever we did a contact drill I'd usually just go off to the side do wind sprints or some other sort of fitness but yeah pretty much I was always just doing any kind of work that my body could handle well, my team was working at the same time. Yeah, so you weren't someone who was just going to give up and be lazy. You were you were showing up every day. Yeah, that was my motto was to show up. And if I didn't, like I, I might as well have quit. I think there would have been no point unless I was going to give one hundred percent to my recovery, and I did. I can feel confident about that now. Right. Yeah. So it's almost tricky because like you show it to practice, you can't do it. So mentally you're like, Oh, I want to do it. But the best thing probably for you mentally was to show up. So then you'd still have that team support. Cause if you just ditched and you're like, no, I'm not going to do this, then you'd lose contact with them. And then you'd just be stuck at home doing who knows what. Yeah, that was absolutely the best thing for me. And it kept my support system close. So I had the coaches and their strength staff and then my teammates And I never lost sight of that because I was always showing up and just keeping myself involved. And I remember um, in my first year after I tore my meniscus, it was our first home game and I was pretty upset about missing it. And I just had no idea what to do with myself. And so I called my coach from back home who had encouraged me to go to Acadia. And I just kind of explained how I was feeling. And I I remember this vividly he said here's what you're going to do you're going to show up to everything and you're going to show up early even though you can't train you go to the morning list and you do what you can and he's like you go to every team meeting on game day you prepare as if you're going to play he's like and dedicate every spare minute to rehab and I took that as my mantra to show up and so 
I did. I I showed up to everything and I worked as hard as I could. Like I remember one week after surgery, I was on crutches and I still, we had lifts at 6am at that time. And I crutched down our, I was at the top of the hill and the gym was at the bottom down the hill through a snowstorm and just did an arm workout. (laughs) Cause I was just like, so passionate about showing up. Did you ever get like really frustrated or angry? Even though that's sort of not you. <laughs> I don't know though, maybe. Uh, I think I, yeah, there was a few really, really heartbreaking moments. And I think overall I kept a pretty good attitude in terms of just goal setting. Um, honestly, the worst was for me was when I first got back to playing. It wasn't even the recovery because I was so much worse than I used to be like running felt foreign. I didn't remember how to play the game. And that was just the most frustrating thing because I had this image that I would recover from my injury and then just go right back to it and be like the same athlete. Um, But I wasn't, I was different and I had to train and work 10 times harder than I would have had to otherwise just to get back up to my starting point. But I, yeah, I think I was able to take really good care of my mental health and that was owing a lot to my support system. But I definitely understand how someone could fall victim to poor mental health during that time because it's it's really lonely and you lose your identity a bit and you just, yeah, you don't, you're scared. You don't really know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Especially too when you like go back onto the field and even the players think you're going to be the athlete you were too. And so they've got that to adjust as well. Like it's, they're there to support you, but they still had to adjust me like, okay, like this is our new player. Yeah. And they forget that like, you know, when I recovered, I would have been a veteran on the team, but in terms of playing, I hadn't played in a while. And I think a lot of people just like, um, it's easy to forget that when someone is injured, they were full on, like they weren't getting the same training and experiences. So it takes a while to shake the rust off. And that was really frustrating because I felt like I'd put in all this work and done all the right things, but without actually playing rugby, you can't be very good at rugby until you get more games under your belt. Right. Now, speaking of that, like how often you play, I know in high school, it's a little swayed for playing time and even college, or do you guys get pretty even playing time? No, no. Uh, In university, it's, it's really high level. And so our coach always says best 15 on the field and he abides by that. Like playing time is focused on the best players. And at that level, um, like some people do get a little offended by it, but most people understand that it's for the like benefit of the team. Um, the only way it does change is that there are a fair bit of injuries. So those starting lineup does change that way, but it's like in high school, um, regardless of skill, they try to filter everyone through, but it's not like that in upper levels. You have to ultimately be the best to be on the field. Yeah. Now, I know like in high school too, sometimes that can be a little bit different. And I know if it's like a really intense game, they do only play their best players. For high school, would you rotate them all through? Or do you sort of think that they should focus it like college? That's tough. Um, because, you know, I think – it depends on the competitive level of your team and what the game is. But yeah, I'd say throughout the regular season, you want to be giving everyone equal opportunity. And then, I mean, the classic saying is, is you're only as strong as your weakest link. So I think trying to put um, like that competition for the 
starting lineup is important because then everyone's working harder to try to crack that starting spot. Whereas if everyone knows they're going to get equal playing time, they might not be willing to work as hard. But if there's this idea that there's like an elite spot that you have to work towards. So I think everyone should be given a chance, but I do understand um, at the end, putting your best people on the field or on the court in that case. But for me where, and I think this is like very coach specific, but if I was to coach, um, I would definitely consider work ethic. So I would put my most talented players out, but if they hadn't been working hard, I would bench them and I would be willing to take a loss for that. Um, but as long as my most talented players are working hard, I would just be trying to get everyone up to the same level. But I think that's a fair call. And it's kind of, it's a hard life lesson, but it is life. And, you know, if you're passionate enough about the sport, getting benched for a game shouldn't sway you from wanting to play it. And if it does, then I don't know if it was right for you. Um, maybe that's a bit of a harsh view, but I've been benched before and I think I came out better because of it. For sure. Yeah, I agree with that. And when coaching, do you think it's more important to condition a team or to have better skill? I think it's, again, it's really sport dependent for a sport like basketball, for example. Not that fitness isn't important, but if you can't shoot and get it in the hoop consistently, it really doesn't matter how fit you are. And it's sort of similar with rugby, but rugby is a bit more fitness based. Like a lot of players can get away with being good simply because they are really fit. So I think you need to strike a good balance. But also if you're at an elite level where you have a strength and conditioning coach, I think letting the strength and conditioning coach take care of conditioning. And then you as the coach should be focusing on the skills. Right. Because you guys have both practice and workout times. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And so our strength and conditioning will focus on our agility and our power and our speed and our conditioning. Right. So the the best teams and the hardest teams to beat, what are they best at? Uh, Like in rugby specifically? Yeah. There is definitely like a high component of fitness. I think tempo, like the ability to play fast and hard the entire game, but also just really good game management. Like any high level rugby team, they have rehearsed what they're going to do. They've rehearsed their plays. They know to adapt to scenarios. Like they know the rules inside and out and they're ready to work with that and then they also have like a lot of different dynamic players who are equally as good on defense and offense so I think uh it's a combination of skill ability to work really hard and team cohesion what do you think your team's key qualities were our team was really fast we play like not only like fast physically like we had a lot of very fit athletic players Uh, But just the way we played, we tried to keep the ball live, offloading constantly. And our goal was always to outwork the other team. And um, regardless of whether we won or lost a game, I felt like we did that. Like we always kept the tempo as high as we could. Sounds good. It does sound like you guys had a good team. And like, I've heard nothing but good things from you. What's going to be the hardest thing graduating? I think a loss of identity. I mean, for so long, uh, that's how I've introduced myself. I've been like, hi, I'm Sky. I play rugby at Acadia. And now that's not really who I am. And it's the sport totally like shapes who you are and who you hang out with and how you, you know, go about your day. And I think that's going to be just a really weird thing to let go. Um, something that I'm also kind of figuring out is how to be, 
how to exercise in a non-athletic setting because it's different like the intensity is different but also everything that you do is just different so I'm figuring out how I do I still want to train as if I'm an athlete or do I switch that up um so I think there's a lot to adjust to going forward and graduating and then also how far I want to distance myself from the sport you know some people they finish university and they're done for me I'm not sure it's like that like I think I still have some playing time left to me but also I love the sport and I want to be involved with it however I can whether that be as a coach or a ref or whatever uh so for me it's graduating and finding ways to stay involved and I think it's going to be really tough transitioning to lower level rugby because I'm so used to that high intensity and everyone just willing to work super hard and everyone with the same goal so to scale that back down to the club level is going to be an adjustment for sure. Can you play if you're taking a master's? Yeah, so with uh, all sports in university, with the exception of football, football, you age out. So I believe at 25 or 26, you can no longer play. But with all other sports uh, at the U sport level, you can play five years. So as long as you have eligibility left, you can play while doing your master's degree. Gotcha. And your injury years didn't count? Correct. The years that you don't play. Uh, don't take away your eligibility. So I have two years left still. Are you thinking about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything's kind of up in the air now, but I still feel like I have a lot to give to the sport and I would love to explore that and see how it goes. That's cool. My other question I have for you was, since your best friend was at the Arch Enemy School, like, were you very respectful about it or were your teams like, no, don't talk to her anymore. Or like, where was the appropriate beak level? Um, (laughs) I actually do remember when I'd watch like be on the field and we'd be playing against St. Effects and she would do something good. Like she would tap someone or score a try. I remember instantly just feeling like really proud of her and happy. But then I was also kind of mad because I was like, oh, that was against my team. So it was kind of confusing, but I think we kept a very healthy relationship, like understood that there was competition on the field, but beyond that, um, we all stayed friends. And that was with like the other players from uh, Acadia and St. Effects. Like there was a lot of friendships in between the teams. And I know sometimes with rival schools, people will take their issues beyond the field. Um, But I didn't feel like at least with, our group uh, and our team from the time I was there that we did that. It was generally pretty respectful with uh, the occasional lighthearted joking, I'd say. But like when it came to championships, for example, like we always cheered them on in the final rounds and they cheered us on too and just sporting each other. It was, it was a healthy competition level, I think. That's a good relationship. That's what you want. It's yeah. I, I think I read a paper. I don't really remember what it was called, but I was talking about how teams who have a rival, generally perform to a higher level just because in your head you're always thinking like you always have something like direct competition and it kind of helps fuel your team yeah definitely you can use that you're like we're gonna beat them let's train harder Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so besides sports what was your most your favorite memory of university ever my favorite (laughs) Uh, I had a really positive university experience. I mean, the university that I went to was amazing. Um, 
I think overall the best thing about the university was the town itself. It was a really small, pretty cool town with just lots of really cool local restaurants that always had live music. So I think just being able to do that and with my roommates and my friends was just to, uh, you know, we'd finish our midterms and then we'd go watch some live music and grab a drink and grab some food. And I think the little moments like that, I mean, especially with, with everything happening around COVID, um, looking back, it was really those, those little things that were my favorite, just the spending quality time with people, even just the little things like going for breakfast. Just building the relationships. Building the relationships and honestly just doing life together and surviving university. And, you know, there's a lot of mental breakdowns and really fun times and really bad times. And you just build such a strong connection to the people there. And so for me, that was the best part was just getting to meet all these people from all around the world and all around Canada I never would have gotten to otherwise and just building a super strong connection and becoming family. Now with university life, like it can get pretty crazy and there's like a few parties that go on. Did your coaches ever have to intervene with like professionalism and like what are you guys allowed to do sort of whatever you can out of practice, even if it's inappropriate or like when there was a really, um, really strict enforcement on, we refer to it as the invisible jersey. So the idea is, is that like, even when you're not, you know, directly practicing or in a game, if you're out in the community, people are still going to know who you are. They're going to know you're a varsity athlete. And so you always have, you're expected to uphold to that standard. Um, so that conversation happened every single year with coaches and captains and the athletic staff just letting us know what was expected of us and in terms of drinking we did have drinking rules like we were only allowed to in season we were only allowed to drink um after a game so most and then when it came to finals and our championships we went completely dry and then in the off season you're free to do what you want but you kind of regulate that, you know, like on a week when we're max testing our lifts, um, you want to do well so you don't drink just because it really inhibits your performance. So there are some regulations. And I mean, it does come up a lot as an athlete. People break the rules all the time and you have to deal with that. But, you know, what the goal is not to have to force people to follow that. It's to make everyone want to do well and be proud of the team to a level that they don't even want to do anything to compromise the success. Right. Yeah. So would discipline come in a practice time or would it sometimes be detrimental to like games if someone was really stupid or would they coaches sort of just leave it and then say, we'll deal with this later, but I'm going to play you still. Unfortunately, it was usually player dependent. Uh, there have been people removed from the program based on core activities. And we've, I've seen that happen over the years throughout a variety of sports. Um, you can get kicked off the team for poor behavior. Like there's no tolerance for it, especially if there's someone who can fill your shoes. But I have seen other people do things that were kind of questionable and they did remain with the program. Um, yeah, simply based on being really talented. But I mean, there's also another component to that, like 
I mean, athletes aren't perfect. They're people too. And even more so. And sometimes things are pretty rough with mental health or stuff at home. So I think it's important to consider that stuff before people get punished too severely. Is there any other memories you want to, that like really stand out to you? University life or? University life. (laughs) Uh, You know, not that I can think of. I mean, it's weird. It feels like it was so long, but so short. Um, And I mean, I had a lot of good times and then a lot of sad times. I, I think overall, I'll just remember the character building and everything that we went through. I mean, being a varsity athlete is such a privilege and I feel so lucky to have gone to experience it. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me in on your sports insight and your college experience that is now almost done. Yeah. Yeah. Graduated. Crazy times. Now that your university college degree or bachelor's degree is over, what are your future endeavors? Uh, well, so I'm currently a firefighter and I'm going to stick with that for the summer, which, you know, I'm pretty lucky right now to have a job. And my plan was to take this year off and travel. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but as of now, that's still my plan. And then likely I'll be going back to do my master's degree the following fall. In what? You know, I'm not sure yet. (laughs) Uh, I have two kind of schools of thought. I might write my LSAT and try to get into environmental law. Or I'll probably do something related to biology and more likely forestry related. But uh, I'm going to take a year to figure it out because, you know, graduated and that was the first goal so I don't know exactly what's going to happen next which is kind of a nice thing right now considering how up in the air everything is yeah and it feels like we're still so young like I still don't feel like I'm ready to start a career yet you know we have so much time I think being in your 20s is sort of weird I mean you slowly starting to get life experience and there's this expectation that you're going to start getting things figured out but it's it's going to take a while and I'm okay with that. I like I feel like I have the the skills now to kind of make it through life and just take it one day at a time. Yeah, there's no rush. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more, check out simplylifit.ca. See you next time.